1: Well, uh, welcome to an impromptu TPC episode. This will be 689. Uh, I I just did two podcasts back-to-back for four hours, so my brain's cooked, but I'm on the phone with, of course, the great and wonderful Dr. Alexander. And I believe if I heard correct, the other name is Jim. And for everybody listening, the future today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022 at 7.57 p.m. Eastern time. And we're talking about this is, I'm getting a phone call from Ottawa. It's about the truckers doubling down. It's about the city trying to kick them out, making people defecate in the streets, not letting them use the laundry machines. And it's about the truckers, the U.S. and the Canadian truckers at the border. And that's what I've gathered so far. And I'm going to shut my mouth and let you guys talk. So take it away.
2: Well, well, Tommy, first of all, this is Dr. Paul Alexander. Once again, I'm very, very privileged to, to, to be on a podcast hosted by you. Um, our other colleague, and this is, is Jim Toma. That's J I M Jim T O R M A. And he lives in, in, in Canada. Now, here's the bottom line from my point of view is this, how I'm involved quickly. And cause I want Jim to really lay out the issue. Um, okay. So in this last week, a lot has happened. First of all, we had the defeat the mandates in, uh, that had a major march on D.C. last week, ending on the steps of Lincoln. So I was one of the keynote speakers with McCullough, Malone, Bobby Kennedy, also Cole, all of these people. From there, I was invited to the Senate the day after to speak with Senator Ron Johnson about the same issues, why these mandates have to end, and how America is going to emerge from the pandemic. From there, a couple of days after, um, Jim Toma and his group, uh, because of this, the trucking convoy that was coming to Canada, asked me to deliver a speech at the Rainbow Bridge between the United States and Canada in Niagara Falls, where there's a halfway point on that bridge where Canada ends and United States begins. And we got truckers from Canada to, to come there, truckers from US to come and meet at the midpoint exchange hats, some gifts and I delivered a speech now, from there we've come to Ottawa I've been here for three days what did I find? I knew that there was a convoy coming uh, of truckers Canadian truckers truckers from all over and but nothing prepared me from what I saw I thought what I saw in DC in terms of crowd size was massive but you have almost as though the entire city of Ottawa now is completely blank, blanketed by trucks. Yes. These massive trucks that are idling. And um, what has happened is this is based on when when a trucker comes to the Canadian border from the United States right now, we get a lot of our goods from America and vice versa from Canada into the States. But, but right now, When a U.S. trucker comes, if that trucker is not vaccinated, the government of Canada will not let them in. Like under no condition, not even if they did a negative test, if they wanted to quarantine, they cannot come into the country. Many of these people, this is their livelihood. Not only that, the Canadian industry, in terms of our food, of our own living, depends on the U.S. trucker coming here daily. So it is it is drying out the Canadian economy and country, and it is driving these American truckers into the, into poverty. Many of them have told me, I've interviewed them on the street, that they are here on their last $5 of gas in their truck, diesel. They have no more money. And um, what's the battle then? Well, the battle, and please excuse my voice, it's still hoarse, because I'm talking whole day, every day. So anyway... um. What's the battle? The battle is we want the mandate, the vaccine mandate to end because the government, I'm talking here now as a scientist, part of this conversation. There's absolutely no science. There's no evidence. There's no data today that you should separate a vaccinated from an unvaccinated person because the data emerged about six months ago to today, till today that the vaccine has failed. The vaccine failed against the Delta, but it was shockingly failed against Omicron. It offers no protection. So if you took a vaccine today, because the vaccine that is given, this is important. The vaccine that is given today is based on the initial one strain of the virus. I know you know these things, Tommy, but I mean, I'm just saying it for the listener. We have Omicron circulating. Therefore, the vaccine cannot hit Omicron spike. So there's a complete um, uh, immune breakthrough. So it's garbage. It's junk. The vaccine is junk right now. And um, more importantly, we have data from the CDC VAERS database and Europe's UGRA Vigilance database that shows that it's not only that the vaccine is ineffective, but the vaccine is actually harmful. There are tens of thousands of deaths. So you have truckers in America who's made a personal decision based on the fact that they were probably already COVID recovered, so they have natural immunity. And, and, but not only that, they have a right to make a decision with their body whether they want a drug or a vaccine, and they decided no. And we have the government here who is saying, that well, you can't come in. Now, Tommy, if, if I felt that there was data and there was science that showed that the truckers were insane, and that by you coming in here unchecked, put the Canadian population at risk, and even the U.S. population, I would never be in this fight. I would be on the fight of the science. So I am on the, in the fight for the science now. And the science shows that there's absolutely no reason today to separate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated because the vaccine is what we call a non-sterilizing vaccine. The key part of making a vaccine is It should be sterilizing. I am dumbfounded that the vaccine developers created a vaccine that is non-sterilizing. It's as though it was set up to fail. A vaccine should should stop infection and should stop transmission. This vaccine does none of that. And the not stopping transmission is critical. Because if it does not stop me from transmitting it, if I get infected, then why, why must there be a mandate? Because I am getting infected when I take the vaccine. That's the other point. The point is the data is showing that it's the vaccinated person, not the unvaccinated, that is becoming infected and transmitting. So the idea of these vaccine mandates is illogical and nonsensical. They are punitive because they have no scientific basis. And that's the issue. The truckers want to come, ply their goods, Earn a living, and um, they're being denied, and it's suffering the country of Canada, and suffering these American truckers. Conversely, it is their similar policy on the U.S. side, and it's suffering the Canadian truckers. So we have this standoff, and the truckers say are saying they want their freedom, they want the mandates dropped, they want to be able to have their freedom to live to earn a living to make the decision to be vaccinated or not. And quite rightly, if this vaccine offers no protection, does not protect the upper airways, and does not stop transmission, then there's no basis, none, for any society to separate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. And that is why you are seeing, recently in the last two days, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, norway uh all of these countries dropping the mandates uk etc because they know there's no science to back it up so over to you now jim well first of all i'd like to
0: thank you tommy for uh giving me this opportunity to talk to our brothers and sisters across the border of the united states the great uh, uh great uh, us uh that we share a very very long border with and uh Yes, the truckers uh, are at their wick's end. The truckers are being bankrupted uh, with this decision to force the uh, last few truckers to, into a position of having, to, of having to vaccinate or not being able to apply their trade ever again. So these truckers, in their final uh, their, in their desperation, came together in a very organic movement that started out west – and started traveling across from the west to the east. It became the largest convoy in the world by a factor of 10 as they came to the ground zero, which is the parliament, which is Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, which is where the government that mandated this vaccine mandate for these truckers, who up until now were considered as essential workers These people who are solo with their vehicles, hidden, not being, uh, not, not exposing themselves to anybody because they drive for hours alone. They're always alone. And now all of a sudden they're told that if they don't vaccinate, they don't get to deliver goods. And these independent truck drivers are going bankrupt because they refuse to vaccinate. They are exercising their Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is choice. And that choice is being robbed. From them by the government by the Justin Trudeau government so what the truckers did was they came across nobody nobody in their wildest imaginations could ever have thought that so many trucks would end up converging on this capital and as I speak right now there are still convoys coming large waves of convoys are coming to Ottawa they're going to be arriving Saturday morning and as Paul said not only did we have hundreds of thousands of people here in Ottawa, there was millions around in the province mobilized and on their way here. This has been an incredible, incredible moment in time. And at the same time, a chaotic moment in time because nobody thought of the magnitude of what was taking place. So we have simple issues like, where does somebody go to the bathroom? porta potties? How do you eat? We have to get food. How do you get warm? You have to have fuel and a number of other things as well in order to be able to maintain uh, altitude, so to speak. So what happened here in Canada, here in Ottawa, we had retired, not retired, but people who did not vaccinate police officers, firefighters, paramedics, logistics experts coming together in an ad hoc Grouping of two or three different command centers to try to reach out to the truckers and try to connect with them. We've had over 500 UTVs and ATVs at the ready with slip tanks for fueling up the trucks. They've been working hard over the last couple of days now as we've been organizing and starting to gel. We're finally finally in a place of no of much less chaos and organization. But it was a monumental task. We was we got thousands of trucks in Ottawa we have thousands of people in ottawa and so we've had to have the, we've had to work this out in some way or shape or form but meanwhile the the mayor of ottawa was phoning around to tow companies to tow the trucks out of ottawa so he started with local tow companies and finally They all of a sudden caught COVID, all of them, so they couldn't do any towing. Then they reached out to Montreal, and they had the same issue. They couldn't do any towing. They reached out to Quebec City. They they couldn't get one single tow company to come. And guess what? They reached out to Buffalo. And what did Buffalo do? They hung up the phone on the mayor of Ottawa. So we have solidarity across this country. We have solidarity in this, in this, in this continent of ours, between the brothers and the sisters, the Canadians and the Americans, the by bi- the citizenship families that have been fractured and disjuncted, as as Paul said, he was at the border celebrating to try to get the unity of our of our families back together again. And here in Ottawa, the the mayor of Ottawa was doing nothing but obstructing. All of a sudden, the coffee shops closed down. Well, of course, they got COVID relief funds from the mayor and from the federal government. And Justin Trudeau started smearing everybody, that we're racist, we're misogynist, we're Islamophobic, we're this, we're that, we're that. Unbelievable. But just to create more hatred against the truckers. Justin Trudeau's goal was to create hatred and even more division. That's what he's been doing his whole time in government, creating division after division after division. And what's happened? The Canadian public are sick and tired of the division. They fought back against it. And what's happening right now on the ground is love, unity. This whole weekend was all like a huge love fest. You should see the photographs, the singing, the respect, people bringing food, people cooking in their homes, bringing food to the truckers. I was out in the field as well. I was listening to the trucker who was saying, no, 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 I, I don't need any more food. I've got five days worth of food in my truck that the locals have brought me. This is what's been happening. And now an army of farmers, an army of contractors, and an army of construction workers have come together with UTVs and ATVs, 500 plus strong, delivering fuel, delivering food. And yes, we're at the ready now. The Ottawa says that they're not gonna clear the streets when a snowstorm comes. Well, let's tell you what, the Canadian citizens are here, standing up proud and free, strong and free. We've got our shovels at the ready. Private tow companies ready to clear the streets. Private tow companies ready to clear the streets for emergency vehicles, which the mayor of Ottawa is obviously not really interested in. The mayor of Ottawa is looking to choke the truckers. They were refusing the truck fuel trucks to come in to fuel up the, uh, the, the, uh, the trucks themselves. They were threatening them with all kinds of different things. So what has happened here in Ottawa? The Canadian heart is showing itself. Our Canadian resolve is showing itself the truckers are settling in we're here to stay until the government eliminates all emergency orders eliminates all mandates of any sort and another thing because the truckers love they love their country they love their families for asking the government and demanding that this fuel surcharge the fuel, the 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 the, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the 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 tax, the carbon tax. They're asking and telling the government that they're to take the carbon tax off of diesel fuel so that we can deliver food at a cost that isn't going to choke the middle class and the poor. Because what Justin Trudeau doing, doing right now with this carbon tax on diesel fuel that these truckers are using to deliver food is escalating the price of food astronomically. So what is happening here in Canada? The families, the families who have mortgages or paying rent have to make a decision. Do I pay rent? Do I pay my mortgage? Or do I buy food for my kids? Do I buy food for my family? That's what these governments are doing. It's sick. It's sick what these people are doing. Instead of working hand in hand, And what did the the police chief of, of Ottawa say recently? That he has never seen such an incredibly peaceful protest in his life. Okay? There's video about it. All right? That's what's been happening. And today the police announced that there is no police solution to this problem. The only solution is political. So it's time for the government to drop all this tyranny. It's time for the government to realize their experiment of social control has failed, miserably failed. And he tried to damage the public by what he did. He tried to pit one part of society against another. And what happened on Parliament Hill? The vaxxed and the unvaxxed came together in unity to fight for the truckers, to fight for our freedom. This is what's happened. This is what's going on. So contrary to what the government wanted, to hide it, the media, to hide everything. The media is so complicit in this tyranny. It's unbelievable. And the legacy media here in Canada, just so that the Americans know, is funded by stipends by the federal government from the CBC that is wholly paid $1.7 billion to basically gaslight and lie to the public to the CTVs, to the global news, to, the, to the, all the other stations that are out there that are basically doing the same thing because they get their kickback from the government. The only media that's been telling the truth are the truckers with their phone cameras, are the citizens with their phone cameras, or like you, Tommy, somebody who's got a podcast going with real people telling them what the hell is going on on the ground. That's what's happening here. I have never seen unity like this in my life. And thank God for those truckers that have touched touched this spark across the world. The trucking convoys are happening everywhere, in Europe, down in your country in America. The truckers have mobilized the heart and soul of our freedoms. The truckers represent our freedoms that were stripped from us. And they're here to stay until the government gives our freedoms back, each and every one of them.
1: That was, I just got goosebumps. So what can, aside from, we'll we'll get into donating because I know people can donate to the GoFundMe and everything else, but what is going on right now? Not
0: GoFundMe. Not GoFundMe. Sorry, GoFundMe is choking the money. GoFundMe is not giving the money out. It's horrible what's happening. So we have Gifts and Go, and we've got a couple of other uh, uh, um, gifting organizations as well. We've got Adopt the Trucker as well. So we've got a number of methods to, uh, to a donate, but don't donate to GoFundMe. GoFundMe has been choking the truckers as bad as the, as the city of Ottawa. As a matter of fact, the city of Ottawa is looking to go after the GoFundMe money. Get that, get that one. They're going after the GoFundMe money, and they're not willing to plow the streets.
1: Noted. All right. So, well, yeah. well I'll put in, I'll, you know, it's obviously it's not live, so I'll be able to put in the right uh, the right links and everything. So I'll get those. Um, so don't do GoFundMe. Can you
3: talk about, Dr. Alexander, can you jump in and then talk about how you spoke at the Peace Bridge and then how the crowds united? Because I don't think you guys covered that, did you?
2: Yeah, I think we covered that. And um, I think what, um, what uh, Jim just said to Tommy is, has to be care- we have to be careful to make sure we let the public know the truckers have gotten a bunch of money from GoFundMe and GoFundMe I think has held the money or is doing some something that is not correct with the money so we not no one is still donated to GoFundMe in this in this regard and Jim and they are trying to finalize around where the donation should go but the bottom line is whether it was in DC or on the bridge, the U.S.-Canada border in, in, in Niagara, the Rainbow Bridge. Um, there was always peace. A lot of um, a lot of togetherness and love and com- camaraderie. And uh, <clears throat> no violence. Uh, people just trying to articulate their position. Um, listen to what the evidence is. And uh, trying to see if the government or people in decision-making positions could 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 actually sit back and reflect properly and come to the right conclusions. The bottom line here is that these people are starving and they need to work and they need to earn their living civilly, legally, um, as before, and there's no basis. There's no basis to keep these truckers out and to prevent them, the freedom of movement, etc. Again, what we are talking about here is this is February of 2022. This is not COVID. February of 2020. It's 24 months now. We know exactly how to deal with COVID. Who's at risk? How to manage it, etc. And um, there's no reason for this anymore. And uh, the pandemic emergency is over. All of the emergency restrictions must be lifted because there's no reason for it. And um, at this point, one of the most punitive forms aspects is the issue around the vaccine mandates and to, and to mandate. Uh, people who have not gotten the vaccine to take their privileges away. I mean, it is as simple and straightforward as the vaccine passports. These people, people who've got, look, I am not against anyone who've gotten a vaccine. In fact, I'm happy for you. That was the decision that you made. If you think you were properly informed and you wanted a vaccine and you took the vaccine, that's that's what living in a free world and society is about. Now, if I spoke as a scientist, I could talk about the ineffectiveness of the vaccine and the potential harms from the vaccine and why children under no condition must ever be, be given these vaccines. That's, that's a separate discussion. But the point is, those people who've gotten the vaccine, you think now, two, you want you get this vaccine mandate, and you think, well, my life is now set. You know, I am vaccinated, so I'm in the I'm in the washed. Part of the society. I'm in the privileged part now. I can go into the gym. I could go into the restaurant. But you don't understand. You make that mistake and take that vaccine passport out. It's over for you. And you don't understand that yet. Because the moment you take that passport, you have now given up your freedoms. And you've been reduced now to somebody who is going to only enjoy privileges once you succumb and follow the dictates of the government, because they can technically and literally turn your life off. If they decide that you need eight doses of this vaccine after the fourth one, and you say enough, no more, I don't buy it anymore, they could turn your life off because you took the vaccine passport. Actually, it's the unvaccinated person who enjoys much more freedom than the vaccinated right now. They don't realize it. It's the unvaccinated The vaccinated right now are boxed in. Moreover, the vaccinated is showing vastly greater infections and vastly greater hospitalizations and even death. And it's a key statement that Robert Kennedy said when we spoke together in Lincoln on the the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And it is true. And he, he articulated a position that was so profound. And I wanted to repeat it here that in any society, like like in Canada, creeping towards totalitarianism, he calls it turnkey totalitarianism. And it was profound what he said. And what he meant by, what he was trying to articulate is that a government will always try to take power from the citizens and from the society and amass more power than they did not even have. And when they do take it, They will never relinquish it back to you. And even if they do relinquish it, they're not going to take it off the books. And that's what Jim is trying to argue for, that the demands must meet. It's not just a matter of lifting the mandates. It's a matter of making sure that the emergency declaration, etc., is removed. Because that's what the government is going to try and do. They may try to capitulate and remove the mandates, yet have emergency powers still in place and they will be able to re-implement it. Any government that takes power from the people will maximally, maximally abuse it. We have to stop them. We have to stop them legally, civilly, non-violently. We need to do it, and we often do it at the polls. problem in Canada right now is the election is not for three to four years from now. We don't have that time. So people need to get the government to, to adjust the positions the right way, to bring it into accord with science. And that's where we are right now. Over. Over to you, Jim. Well, you know
0: what? Uh, that's beautiful. You said it very eloquently. And as we were talking here, I just got a text. For truckers to take a shower, O-Dial 514-963-1518. I repeat, for truckers to take a shower, O-Dial 963 one five one eight, and this is what I mean. There are people coming out of the woodwork. There are regular citizens that are standing up. They're coming out. They're helping families cooking in their kitchens, going to the trucks. You know, it's amazing the groundswell of support and love and affection that is taking place right now. But tomorrow, the press conference. Well, the main part is that it's enough is enough. This is doubling down. We're going to make sure that the emergency orders are lifted. Any order that's out there, whether it's provincial or federal must be eliminated, whether it's an order or an act, they must be shut down immediately. All mandates shut down immediately. And the tax, the carbon tax, to be fully removed from diesel so that we can give the people who need it the most, the poor families, and the middle-class families and children, the ability to buy food, instead of looking at whether they're gonna have to pay rent or their mortgage before they buy food, including their sheeting. This is what needs to happen. And, And the goodwill that's going on right now in Ottawa, from all of the citizens that are coming together is unbelievable. Today, I was out there watching ATVs, driving around, fueling up the trucks, okay? These are young guys, young farmers, and just so you know, come Saturday, Ottawa is going to be loaded with farm tractors. The farmers are mobilized and are coming to Ottawa to support the truckers. Heavy equipment operators are coming to Ottawa to support the truckers. Enough is enough. We want to be back to the Canada that we know, a strong and free Canada that we've lived in for so long that was stolen from us by the Trudeau regime. And each and every party, the Canadian uh, the Canadian, the Conservative Party of Canada, the NDP, they've all been in lockstep together as though they are a uniparty in this country. The Liberals, the conservatives and the NDP have been in lockstep blocking us down. And right now the conservative party is looking up to to basically they got rid of their leader today. They got rid of their leader today because they know that they're in deep, deep doo-doo when it comes to what they've done. But it doesn't matter which puppets they're going to put in place because bet you me that they are puppets. They're all puppets of the same machine that locked us down. It's time for Canada to take back its freedoms. And guys like Paul, Dr. Paul Alexander, I've got so much respect for. Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Risch, I could keep going, Planesi, I could go on and on and on and on. These people all risk their careers for the truth. These are the true ethical people, the people that uphold their Hippocratic oath, those who are medical doctors. These are the people that we need so badly to, to be true and honest, and they are. And these are the people that are the guiding light for the future of the medical field, the scientific field. These are the true trailblazers. These are the people that are gonna bring the medical industry which is completely in ashes right now. The scientific community which is completely destroyed by all this gaslighting that's been created. These are going to be the pillars. These are going to be the people that we're going to be looking to, to rebuild all of these institutions, which were destroyed by politics, by media, and by bought off organizations, such as our College of Nurses and Physicians and the rest of them. They're all complicit. The the pharmaceutical, pharmacological industry, all complicit in this horror. This, was, this should never have happened. As Paul said when I first met him, we should have been isolating the vulnerable, isolating those who have comorbidities, and let the world continue to live. But instead, what we did was we shut down the world and isolated the healthy, and and, and then basically created a, a, a carnage amongst the seniors, and carnage amongst the, uh, the elderly, where the the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the seniors homes ended up being killing fields. Why? Because our seniors homes have never been in good shape. Our hospitals have never been in good shape. They've always been substandard, regardless of what you've heard in the news. Our hospitals have always been substandard. And what this has shown is how substandard these people are and all of them together. And all I can say is that thank you so much to be able to say this out there and to say something, to put it out into the world so people know the truth of what's really going on. Because one of the biggest problems we've had is the media that we've counted on to tell the truth have been abject liars, outright liars, lying to us, all based, listening to a scripted message. That's what we've been faced with. And it's only the people like yourself, Dr. Paul, And like you, Tommy, that are getting our word out and our message out. The truth needs to be told. And the truth needs to be upheld. That's the only way we're going to move forward, to be strong and free. As a country, as a continent, and as a world. Here in Canada, small convoy turned into a monster convoy, creating a monster worldwide convoy of freedom-loving people. And regardless of who's taken what or who's been jabbed or whatever, we have absolutely no animosity towards anyone. If you want a mask, that's your choice. If you want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But you bet that one thing for certain, that when people get sick, those who are healthy will be there embracing them and helping them through whatever they're going to go through in the future because of whatever gaslighting our government and our medical industry, and the pharmacy, the pharmacological industry, big pharma that has done nothing but look at profit at the expense of human life. That's what we need. We need to have people like you say your truth. And, Tommy, I thank you so much for spreading the truth.
1: Of course, my man. It's an honor. Um, If I can ask, how long are the truckers going to stay there?
0: They will be here until the government drops all mandates. They're not leaving.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I'll tell you something. The army of people coming into town to help the truckers, this is going to turn into an incredible, incredible state of affairs. And they will be helped and fed and clothed, as you just heard. we already teaching you know, a lot truckers to get a shower. So there's people doing everything they possibly can. That's the one thing that I know about the Canadian citizen, the public, the public, the grassroots people, the people on the ground, not these high and mighty politicians or these other individuals. They are the salt of the earth and they are out here to help one another. Canadians are arm in arm in solidarity to help one another and to protect one another. And that's the way it's going to be. And the police are not gonna attack our people. We're not going to attack the people. We're not going to attack the parliament. We're here to make a statement. We want our freedoms back. We want our freedoms back. No government should be allowed to strip the citizenry of their freedoms, of their God-given freedoms that is based in our charter of rights. Our governments, our media, our doctors have all trampled on our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it's time that the Charter of Rights and F- Freedoms become the supremacy that it is. God gave us our rights, and no man can take it away, and no politician can take it away.
2: That's the bottom line. Beautiful. So, Tommy, so, uh, so, uh, uh, I just want to ask Jim something quick before I forgot. Sure. Jim, remember like, the, other night, the other night I was supposed to go out with you guys to do some, you and um, food. Are you guys going to do that tonight with the truckers? Or that you already dealt with that? Because I would like oh, to come tonight. tonight. Oh, we've got...
0: You know what? I'm going to have to send you guys pictures of the ATVs out there delivering fuel. Uh, You know, food. I mean, like, honest to God, the food... We have more than enough food for the truckers. This is the beauty of it all. Our biggest problem was porta potties because the uh, city of Ottawa was stopping... Are, are, we have like hundreds of porta potties that have been donated to free, and we can't even place them because the city of Ottawa wants to make sure that it's as comfortable as possible for the truckers. This is what I mean. This is how sick these people are. They won't even let people defecate in a humane way. They're expecting them to you know what defecate on the streets, and that's exactly what I see. I look at the I look at the bridges where there's tunnels in that. You walk down the sidewalk. And there's human fecal matter all over the place. And this is the product of the mayor of Ottawa. This is what he's doing. He, you know, He's talking about creating bike paths, but he won't even give a person a porta potty. You know, it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. This is the type of politicians we have here. They're completely out of touch with reality. I don't want to say that they're evil. I'll just say that they're out of touch with reality. But the other option is, is that they're extremely evil people? Yeah, I would say some of them are evil people, Jim. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I would say they're evil. They're evil people. <laughs> you know, you know what? Though I have to watch my mouth, but you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. You know, like I, my heart. The other night, I was just, I was practically bawling my eyes out when I saw you guys talking and delivering your speeches on the bridge and that beauty, where the 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 the, the bridge commission, the CBP. The U.S. Border Patrol were actually assisting the American and Canadian citizens to come together. What does that tell you? Yeah. What that tells me is that there's no way these governments have power anymore. The power is in the people. That CBP officer is a person with a family. That Border Patrol agent is a is a is a, is a, has a family. The bridge commission, uh, the person at the bridge commission, has a family. You know, they're, 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 they're watching this horror, but because they have jobs as well, they're threatened with their jobs. This is what's happened with all of this. Everybody's with, been threatened with their livelihood, okay? This is how they have coerced people into taking things without proper information, without being informed properly. They're told, listen, you got to take this jab or you're not going to work. But nowhere did they give them the sheets as to what the potential harm is, what kind of data they have to support, whether there's any efficacy, or more importantly, actually, I'm not even talking about efficacy. What data do they have at all that states any type of safety? I want to hear about safety first. Efficacy comes after. Safety is the most important thing, and safety was sidelined for this whole so-called pandemic.
2: Excellent.
1: Can can you guys touch on what you said earlier about the sniper?
2: Oh, that's um, that's the uh, well. Okay, well, I know him too. I know him too. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say his name on on the air. Sure. We shouldn't. That's fine. Because yeah, no, but he worked for the prime minister. Okay. And if you ever looked at photos of the prime minister, maybe six months ago from now. You would see him there, and he has this long rifle on his back. Yeah. Because he's just, okay. Um, but I know he, because we know him. I deal with him almost daily. And Jim deals with him daily. Jim could speak. He, he decided no vaccine, and, and they tossed him out. So, Jim, over to you. You explain.
0: Yeah, so this guy is the salt of the earth. He's been sleeping two or three hours a night. He's, this is completely voluntary on his part and he's heading up a command center working with a group of people that are going through the same thing. They sleep 2 or 3 hours a night, maybe 4 at best, uh as they work through this logistical nightmare. And they're finally getting a handle on it. There's more and more uh volunteers coming to the table, more and more people helping, more and more uh phone numbers to be able to connect and and, and bring people together. You know, and my you know, my goal was to try to help as much as I could, to try to create connectivity between you know uh, at what was once disjuncted groups into being able to have a communication network where they could then start talking to one another one another interfacing with one another and knowing one another better and then getting their logistics down to a science and a stream and that's where we're starting to get to now so you know it's taken us a few days uh, and you know normally you know, I, I, you know normally this would be a six-month operation and preparation for something like this, I have to tell you something, that the will is so strong in all these people that we were able to take what would have taken six months of preparation into three days of readiness, okay? So that's where we're at, at the end of the day. So, you know, the 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 unbelievable love that people have the unbelievable love that people have for another here in Canada is evident, is evident
1: in the out- So is that is that a radio is that one of the truckers?
0: <laughs> Sounds like it might be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so you guys were saying earlier when we first spoke on the phone about you know, people are saying, you know, when is it coming to the United States? And I think you said this, Jim, and, and I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Sure, that's great, it makes us all feel good, it's a great picture, but ultimately it's not gonna do jack shit. I think I think you're 100 percent right in that you have to focus on Canada first. That's where it started. That's where it's aggregating. That's where it's coalescing. Don't don't split it up and divide and conquer your own efforts just yet. So wait for America. Hold the line in Canada. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Absolutely. Because the whole world is looking to us. If we capitulate I mean, I mean, now, it collapsed. Yes, we can. We're hear in a you. Situation that- Sorry. So if we, so if we, if we capitulate and if we collapse here in Canada, so all of the world is gonna collapse because right now we are that light. We are that, 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 that beacon that is, that is shining the light of hope across the world. That's why we have to- Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? Alright, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile dot com slash switch.
4: Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
0: Hold firm. We got to hold the line, and I'm asking our American brothers and sisters to come to the border if you can come across the border, then do so. If you can't come to the border and be that bastion of support for us at the border, because once Canada, once this Canadian regime falls, once it falls, then we can set our sights on America. And then we can open up America's borders once again to the strong and free south of the border here so that we can unite as our North American families Coming together and that will set off a complete collapse of this global it's tyranny me. that's taking a place around the world and it's gonna collapse it all throughout Europe and Australia and, and everywhere one hundred percent.
1: Okay, and well
0: but but I can think-
1: sorry. No <laughs> All right, so yeah, take it away. The The truckers, we have the, the leaders of the USA truckers. We have AJ, Jen, E, Dixie, and Navy Mom. What are y'all's thoughts on this? Because you're obviously on the ground, and I'm sitting in a chair in an apartment, and I think you can probably speak on it well, a little more realistically than I can.
5: Well, the one thing I can say is, is the American truckers are behind Canada 100%. I have been on Zillow, I have been on Zillow for... A lengthy period of time and I have assembled a team that is unparalleled. We, we have people come in and we had a trucker that somebody put water in his gas tank. We had a trucker that they were having problems with their bunk heater and we've helped them find mechanics. We've helped them, we've helped truckers find medical aid. Um, when it comes to a trucker, Amer, Amer, we've done it for American and Canadians. You know, this has to be a united front because if it's not, it's going to fail. Okay. Forced is never freedom. And we all agree on that. All I know is, is as USA. Big Rigs being my channel, I am beyond thankful for Dixie Rose, for General E and for AJ. They have come together with me and they have helped these truckers. We have, we, we have Canadian citizens on there. We have kids on there talking to the truckers. We've, we've listened to the kids and it's, and the truckers, they talk to the kids. They, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. The United, it, it's a force. It's, it's taken its own life force and its purpose is to help this, this, call it a protest, call it a stand, call it what you will but this is a force that is supporting and pushing for Ottawa and for freedom. Absolutely. Dixie Rose is on here, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about talking to the kids. It's just been amazing.
1: All right, Dixie.
6: Hello, this is Dixie.
1: Hi, Dixie. This is, this is Tommy. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Thanks for coming on here. Um. So can you tell us about what it's like at the border or what it was like being at the
7: border? When I was at the border, um, where I was was pretty quiet. I'm going to be honest. Uh, We had a few foreigners there with us. Uh, We didn't get on our side of it. I think maybe because of the Niagara Falls over there, whatever was going on over there, everyone kind of went that direction, um, which is fine. Uh, But at our side of it, which was on the east side, we didn't have a whole lot of action. Uh, we had a really big rally that turned out absolutely fantastic. We are actually excited about that. That went well. Um, but, see, on the U.S. side, we actually we had to actually leave the border because we have to make a living. You know, we're all struggling in America, too. They're killing us over operators over here. Uh, people don't want to work. We're waiting hours and hours to get loaded, hours and hours to get unloaded, which that's taking money out of our pocket. We're on the road 24-7. Our job is to get a load, drop a load, get a load, drop a load. It's not happening right now. So for owner operators in America, it's pretty much the same thing as it is in Canada. We're all feeling it. It's it's terrible what's happening in both countries, all over in all over the world, to be honest with you. So we are actually heading south and we're moving a load because we have to make a living. I got mouse to feed, I got babies in here, I got my little man who rides with me on the semi and I gotta feed him, you know? So I have to make my decisions for my family, but we stand with Canada. By gosh. We're not leaving Canada behind. No way. We're slow rolling across the US. Why not? We get loaded slow anyway. We got our flags flying for Canada and that's how we're gonna roll until Canada's ready to go. And if they need us at the border, we'll go to the border. We just we need the manpower at the border, that's what we need. And not only that, me and my husband Rambling Rick, who's sitting next to me in the rig, all we do is push out for Canada. We tell everybody. We are, Canada's, we are Canada's media because we push, 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 push. And we're letting truckers know. When we stop places, we let truckers know. They don't know anything, guys. Nothing is showing here. I just want to make that clear. The 48 states know nothing unless it's word of mouth or unless they're finding it on social media and it's facts. That's it. So that has been my job since last week, Monday, is when I, I actually got a TikTok account and I started pushing stuff between TikTok and Facebook for Canada. And that's all I've been doing. And then mid-week, or towards the end of the week, this Zello thing came up and that's when I entered the Zello world. <laughs> and I met all these wonderful people from the Canadians to Americans to all over the place. And, and these kids, man, these kids get you. The kids out of Canada, I can't even express to you what they do to you, because they're suffering in some ways more than the American children are. Some of them can't go swimming, they can't go to school, they can't even go to a movie. I mean, what is that? Like, they're kids. Let them live, you know? And I sit there and talk to them, and the only thing I can do is put a smile on their face. That's what most of us try to do. We just try to keep them happy and uplifted, because that's what these kids need. Kids don't need to be drugged down. They get that enough in the real world. Let's just, like, let them be happy, do what they need to do, and the governments aren't allowing them whatsoever. They're like, nah, keep the kids inside. They don't need to see outside. Let's keep them pushed down, and that's not okay, yeah,
1: yeah, well they're they're, they're evil people. it's just it's just what it is. Who's that
7: um, i I oh don't gosh. that was nothing uh,
1: <laughs> uh, that's probably just no the, it's probably just the FBI listening in. shout out FBI uh losers. <laughs> no but 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 Tommy Dr. Dr. Alexander. Two
5: other members of my group are General E and AJ and what they've helped do with this with 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 this with this channel that we have operating. It's just we've organized it and I'll let AJ tell a little bit about what we've done with the channel to help the truckers and the Canadians and the Americans. Yeah, go
3: ahead, come in AJ
8: in general. <laughs> <coughs> them in. Jay, AJ, go go ahead, brother AJ, if you're ready.
4: All right. <laughs> well when I came into this it was from uh, one of General East people out uh, of his group and uh, he shared a uh, link over to me. I've been on Zello since the inception before it was actually called Zello. I know the etiquette of Zello and uh, the programming and all that. Me and General Lee generally have known each other for a few years now. Um, we work together on many different projects here in the States. And uh, we got word of this convoy to We're suffering the same effects right here in the States. It doesn't matter whether you're a trucker, whether you're a regular worker, whether you're a child. Everybody's going through the torture. We're all going through it. The truckers, we sit here in the States. You shut the truckers down, you shut down the supply chain or slow it down, people will start to listen because their pockets are going to start getting empty just as their cupboards are. Truckers run this country. They deliver everything. Yet they're getting disrespected above anybody else. They're forced to do this. They're forced to do that. They're forced forced to pay extra. I don't think it's right. Um, The mandates... That's step one to getting everybody's freedom back. We're a North American continent, both Canada and America together. We saw what they were going through. We decided to go there to help because we understand the feeling. We know how it feels to be pushed and forced. And right now, Canada needed us more. So we're there. We're helping. I'm here by the Canadian border. I'm in a little town of Attica by Buffalo. But I know a whole bunch of patriots all over this country that have stood there at the Niagara border with another one of the members of the channel, another one of the truckers. Um, I can call out the groups by name, but you'd probably see them on Twitter and Facebook and everything else yourselves. If you look, uh, Rainbow Bridge, Peace Bridge, they were there because the word went out to them. <laughs> um, if there's anything that's needed, we do it. Doesn't matter. And like it was already said, the states, we can wait a little bit. We got to put the attention on Ottawa, Ontario, and so on and so forth. Toronto, you name it. We got to put the attention on Canada first. Shut it down. Don't be negative and Don't start, no, as I call it, some type of Antifa garbage. But, um,. Shut it down in a peaceful manner. Abide the laws, abide the rules. Don't get yourself in trouble and don't get hurt. But show that we mean business, we're done. We are one united front and this is worldwide now.
0: Hell yeah. Um, That's excellent. All right, uh, that's a great, great comment. There's no question that we are brothers and sisters across the border. And that, uh, and and we always have been. You know, I lived uh, along the border towns uh, most of my life. I remember spending a lot of great time times in uh, Buffalo, Niagara Falls, uh, Grand Island. You know, Attica. I know Attica as well. Uh, I lived in the Finger Lakes for a number of years. Um, you know, we're we're not really that different from one another, uh, outside of the fact that you call yourselves Americans, we call ourselves Canadians. But at the end of the day, we're all patriots big hearts, and we love our families, we love our country, and we
2: love our freedom. Amen. Oh yeah. Amen to that, General Lee. I mean, look, I mean, we, we spoke about this earlier, that um, <clears throat> there's no difference right now. The vaccines don't stop transmission. And um, we have clear data coming out of the UK, Scotland, uh, Australia, Israel, etc. Demonstrating to us that the vaccinated person actually harbors virus and transmits virus. So to really separate the two at this point um, is really um, punitive and it really has no scientific basis. And uh, and um, that's why I'm in the fight to drop the mandate because I see no credible scientific basis uh, for it. and And you know it it, from a matter of freedom etc it is time the 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 pandemic is has begun to wind down and omicron is an exit strategy and you know so that's that that basically is it i mean we could quote study i wrote this op-ed published in brownstone institute about a month ago it has i have dated it recently it has 42 studies 24 of them on Delta and about 8 of them on Omicron showing that the vaccine basically is is ineffective and not properly safe. So uh, because of that, it strongly questions the issue of body mandates. I mean, we have studies by by um, uh, in Wisconsin, out in the United States, which shows that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated person have almost similar viral loads. Um, uh, that we also have studies showing us that when nurses who were vaccinated, they still became infected and they still transmitted and they harbored massive amounts of viral load. There was this study in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, by Chau et So you know we have we have all of the uh, we have the research that shows this is not just here, see. And the fact is. Even if I don't say anything or anyone else, you just need to just follow the news or look around you in the society that you live in, wherever it is, you would see that everyone who's getting vaccinated are becoming infected because we are vaccinating with a non-sterilizing vaccine. So uh it will not cut the chain tra- the chain of transmission and if you cannot cut the chain of transmission then you will never get to to control the the pandemic with these vaccines. These vaccines are complete failure, complete failure. I I am one of them who would argue that they don't work, period, and they're unsafe. But that's my opinion. Um, Dr.
3: Latula, do you have some comments about that?
2: Well, Well, I I
9: think that, you know, the accumulating evidence clearly shows that the vaccine is not only worthless, uh, but it is very harmful. The potential for injury and for even death is high enough that this uh, so-called vaccine should have been shelved a long time ago. And the fact that it hasn't and the fact that Know when you compare all of the vaccines that have been produced in history, none of them have ever been shoved down our throat like this one has, and there's very much a reason for that. And the reason has nothing really to do with medicine, it goes beyond that. I think that medicine is simply the vehicle that has been used uh, to effect. Uh, if you will, a coup against America and to control the people in the interest of a globalist agenda. And that when you add up all the clues to everything that is happening in the world and you look at, you know, America, supposedly the most powerful nation, the wealthiest nation in the world, uh, now suffers the most uh, morbidity or mortality associated with this jab it shows you that something is just not adding up. And a lot of people are saying, well, I just don't understand all the craziness. And I am imploring people to understand that this is not craziness. This is a well-calculated, well-thought-out, sinister plot that uh, is, has nothing really to do with medicine other than the fact that it appears to be a slow um, a slow genocide and it's one that is masqueraded as something that is supposed to be helping people when in fact it's doing just the opposite and and that when I say that I'm referring to both the the physical aspects of the jab as well as the psychological and that pertains to the entire pandemic response which includes all the lockdowns that caused millions to suffer and die globally. And you look at the mask tyranny and what had it, that has done to our nation and many other nations. It has divided families. It has divided uh, people from all different classes. And so the, this whole thing has an agenda that goes well beyond medicine, but medicine is simply being used as a modality to generate fear so that people can be controlled
1: i would agree with that 110 percent it's uh it's simple enough it's simple enough to uh to say it's for your own health and at first it can make sense but the longer and longer you look at it you realize this is just this this is just tyranny with a with some new makeup on
9: absolutely um what you know i i don't know if you are all aware of my situation my License was first suspended two days after I spoke at a Stop the Steel rally on the Capitol building at um, Salem in Oregon. And during that speech, I actually declared two things. Number one, that I and my staff did not mask ever, and that it caused absolutely no harm whatsoever. There was no contact tracing to my office. And The real crime, the thing that got me in trouble now, looking back, I believe, was the fact that I stated very clearly that I treated patients with 100% success when I treated them early uh, for COVID. They all got better within a week. And, of course, at that time, I believe that the powers that be knew that the job was coming forth because that was... Uh, produced at the same time that the virus was being genetically engineered and then they were to be released one after the other. So when you have someone who is speaking and saying, look, this is very easily treatable, um, that person would have to be silenced very quickly because otherwise the emergency use authorization would be nullified. And I think that's why they sought to make a quick example of me because I spoke up quite early and um, I spoke uh, very openly stating that I felt that this was an agenda to take us down. And uh, if you if you saw the initial video uh, that went global on November 7th, um, I find that it, I looked back at that and listened to it and everything I said has proved to be true. So um, it, it just exposes the, the real dark agenda that they are pushing for and we have to understand what this is all about and I think people finally are starting to wake up on that
1: I agree um, Jenny if, if if you're there real quick before we uh before we start to wrap this up exactly how did yeah. America, how did American people mobilize to aid Canada so quickly when the media so clearly is suppressing everything that we're doing, how, how in, in, on God's green earth did, uh, did we actually get up there and, uh, start to aid this?
8: Well, the, the thing was that there was already, uh, truckers that were, that were in Canada. So yeah. there's a, a certain amount that were already there pre, pre, uh, you know, pre uh, announcement of, of everything that happened. So, you know, luckily there was, there was truckers up there. A lot of them that had to, had to, you know, they, they wouldn't, they can't give up their livelihood. So they had to move on. But, you know after all of the things that have been touched on the science and 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 the and the, the morality and the ethic you know uh, unethical nature of, of a lot of this covid stuff i'd like to just add a couple things how we got here um we got here by a power hungry man that has been uh that has uh, violated people's you know human rights and civil rights uh way far back into the 1980s You know, he was uh, specifically responsible for AZT, which killed a ton of uh, HIV patients. You can watch the movie Dallas Buyers Club Mm -hmm. to get you a good idea exactly, you know, who that guy was fighting against. You know, this man has uh, written papers about how masks uh, were the main cause of the the deaths of uh, bacterial, you know, uh, issues in their lungs from the Spanish flu. So the main killer in the Spanish flu was masks, but he wanted people to mask up two or three times. I mean, What's he trying to admit to us? Basically, what I say, what I see when they do, uh, these autopsies on these people out here <clears throat> is that they're finding hundreds of blood clots on people that have been boosted or that are on their fourth shot. And they're doing these autopsies and they're finding hundreds of blood clots from, from, you know, these people that are vaccinated. You know, I mean, so when do we find these people guilty? When do we say we don't trust them anymore? You know, that's the biggest question that we, that we have to answer for ourselves. Is when, is, is
1: once we answer those questions, then we can make them accountable. <clears throat> <clears throat> Dr. Latula, um what are the chances that you can get your license back? Because I've interviewed in the last two weeks uh, Dr. Merrill Nass, who lost her license, her medical license, in the state of Maine, as well as I uh, interviewed yesterday Dr. Paul Merrick, who uh, well, didn't quite lose his license, was forced to resign. What are the chances that you can win the fight to get your license back?
9: Uh, in reality, um, it, my chances are about nil. Because see what happens, and, and I, I just want you to know. And this was um, inspired by Carolina. I'm writing uh, sort of a neutral book right now on medicine, I, specifically on central pain, which is poorly understood uh, by doctors um, everywhere. But the but my second book that I want to write uh, will address the issue. Of the corruption in the entire uh, National Medical Board system. Uh, the National Federation of, of Medical uh, Boards actually is a very corrupt agency, but uh, every state has its own liberties in, in implementing whatever decisions they make. And the reason why Um, If you, for example, if you were to read, I got a second volley of attacks from the medical board because they wanted to put me down to guarantee that I never practiced medicine. So what they did is because I practiced pain medicine and addiction medicine, they actually opened up two false investigations. I mean, these were completely falsified, totally fabricated investigations that had no basis whatsoever. And they did it so they could take me down. What they do and this is the tactics of all the medical boards. They, they are colluding somehow because uh, the similarities are just too great between the states. So what they did is they make me out to be an absolute villain. Now, I have had no harm whatsoever in my practice of pain medicine. I have nothing but success, no suicides, no hospitalizations because of my treatment. Um, No overdoses, and I have saved many, many from uh, the suffering of addiction. And I never once have created a drug addict because I have effectively treated pain. But if you read what the Oregon Medical Board said about me, see, they can say anything they want because they are, first of all, they are the judge and jury, and they are the prosecutor and the executioner in an administrative court setting and that's where they operate. They do not want to go into a civil court or a federal court at the state or, or federal level. They don't want in there because they can do all their damage by taking even hearsay and hearsay from anybody, anywhere in the country uh, could accuse me of something and they can use that information as if it were factual evidence and they broadcast that to the public on social media stating it as though it were a fact. And in fact, hearsay is admissible as evidence in an administrative court hearing. So when they tell their ugly stories that are purely fabricated, all lies, the, the public hears it and they think, wow, this guy deserves to be hanging from a rope, right? And, and then what they do is once that's all broadcasted, then they make sure, you know. Of course, this all gets sent to the national practitioner Data Bank. And and what chance does a doctor have going to another state applying for a license when I have been hung out to dry completely? Like, um, you know, what what um, medical licensing board in any state would want to take on the risk of giving me a medical license based on what has been put into the media? See, it's a liability for them. So. If I was on another medical board and read about what's been said about me, I would be extremely hesitant to say, okay, we'll grant you a license. And that's only problem number one. If I were to get a medical license, then I would be forever a target and they would strive to take me down simply because um, I beat the system. And what we need to do, and this is what my second book is going to be about, is we need to somehow dethrone this rogue institution called the medical boards, state medical boards, and that's going to be my my chief goal. Be- uh,
1: beautiful. Um, Well, lastly, I was going to say, Dr. Alexander, for for any other physicians, is there anything they can do about about standing up to this, or is it kind of you just got to nut up and talk about it, and whatever happens, happens.
2: Uh, you mean in terms of the uh, convoy and everything?
1: About uh, I was going to say more so about COVID. I mean, we're having doctors having their license revoked left and right. Or um, is that maybe beyond the scope of this? I know we've we're, we were we started talking about the convoy.
2: Well, I mean, there are a lot of doctors who are fighting, who are who are, are dealing with their boards and stuff. Um, you know, I. I am one of the key members of the early treatment with McCullough and Zaneco and uh And many, many of the doctors who work with us on those papers too, they have been targeted by their boards. And uh, some of them have actually stopped practicing in America right now. I have a couple of friends who are clinicians in America who, who are right now in some Caribbean islands. Just they've shut everything down for about two years. They said, and They'll come back another time because they're not. Uh, they just can't deal with the targeting and the fight, so it's a terrible situation. And I mean, like I lost my professorship at Mac mm-hmm. and uh, positions, income, and stuff. So we all take take a hit. I'm very sorry to hear the doctor's explanation of the what he's going through too. So many people have have, have been dealing with this. So, but but right now we have this immediate issue. Because we, the most, like I wrote this paper recently with Rishana Bhattacharya, the title being, it is time to declare the pandemic emergency over. And I think that's where we are now. We need to open our societies. And once we get there, as soon as we can get there quickly, then we need to circle back. And we need to go after everyone. I'll be as blunt as I can. We need to open societies and get going. But we cannot accept mere culpas and, oh, I am sorry, I made a mistake. I was just following orders. No. We need to go back and examine it properly. And if we find people, no matter who they are, no matter what level of government, no matter if they were your friend even, but they did things that were wrong, that they did things knowingly wrong, that ended up costing human lives, they need to go to jail. Yeah. This time, they need to go to jail. They have no I'm sorry. I want to see people go to jail for what we've been through. Because I can tell you, because my own work with the United States government, I can tell you, data has never even been made public. And I wouldn't say the details, but there are tens of thousands of Americans who lost their lives during this pandemic because of the lockdowns and the closure, Not because of the the virus. We have thousands of children who are ending their lives. And the mm-hmm. media never read. We, you will you, Tommy, and many on this call will learn the numbers in time. Yeah. Because it's it's not been kept hidden. It was kept hidden under Trump by the media and now under uh-huh. Biden, protecting Biden. They they they, they, they 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 hid it from the public when Trump was president. Uh-huh. Because he would have gotten credit, because he was begging to open his society. So had the real numbers been made public, he would have looked very good. So but now they're still covering up. But now it's to protect Biden. So we will eventually learn the truth. And I can tell you, it will be horrifying when people understand little children in America hung themselves. That is something that the public has not visited yet. That's real data. that will come out. So we need to go back and find Fauci and find Burks, and find Burla from Pfizer and Banfield from Moderna. Find them all and put them in a court and let them answer them properly. Yeah, everybody needs to have a proper defense and to defend themselves. And if they did nothing wrong, they have to live their lives normally, peacefully. No one ever interfere with them. But if they did wrong, they need to go to jail for a very long time. That's my view.
1: Yeah, I, I talked to Dr. Hodkinson yesterday, and he'd said something along the same lines that you just said. He said he can't yeah. talk about it, but he knows, he says he has trusted sources that say that there are insane numbers of deaths that the U.S. government's hiding. Um, is there any more you can tell us about that, or should I not press on that? Is that is that secret? <coughs>
2: Well, well, no,
1: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Doctor Alexander, your tease. Um, all right, so on the line we also have. Uh, she's telling me, Doctor Ferella, uh, uh, a pediatrician. Doctor Farella, are you there? Yes, I
5: am. I'm. I'm can you
1: hear me? Yes, I can. Well, I hey, I'm Tommy. Thanks for being on here. Very nice to meet you. Um, is there any chance that you could, that you could talk to us right now about the effect this is having on kids about jabbing the kids about vaccine mandates is where would you like to go with this?
6: Well, the, you know, first and foremost, you know, let me just kind of back up and tell you, uh, I am a pediatrician. I've been for 25 years or so in my own solo practice and um, here in Webster, Texas. And, um, One of the things that I think people really need to understand is that, you know, what is the reason we vaccinate, okay? So so the reason why you vaccinate is you vaccinate someone against a disease that they are at high risk for morbidity or mortality, meaning death or severe outcome, okay? Severe bad outcome. With COVID, the evidence is quite clear over and over again for the last two years, the kids are really not affected. Not something that bothers them. You know, more than, experts say that more than 50% of them were probably naturally immune going into the pandemic because of coronavirus cross-reactivity, which is, coronavirus has been around forever. It's a common cold. So um, a lot of the kids, you know, because they go to school, daycares, things of that nature, They've had the common cold, got over it multiple times, and now, you know, they have natural immunity. So going into the pandemic, we knew kids were going to be pretty well off. They just, unless they have some severe underlying issue, which the common cold can really wreak havoc on kids, for instance, if they have underlying, you know, cancer treatment or if they have a severe autoimmune um, deficiency or something of that nature, immunoglobulin deficiencies. That's, that's a different story. But so we're talking about healthy kids. Um, healthy kids do just fine with COVID. I mean, we were open the entire time. Um, and I can tell you, um, the kids that got it worse than, than anything were the teenagers, the late teens. So anyone over 15 or so, they're the ones that got more of a flu-like illness in the beginning. And, but it was a handful. There wasn't a whole lot. There were kids that were, you know, thankfully living their lives like they should have been. Um, And they picked it up, you know, on tournaments, playing softball or whatever. And, um, you know, I treated them and they did fine. You know, they were sick a couple of days and they did fine. Um, So when you're looking at um, that particular population and you notice that, you know, yeah, they get a little bit of a flu-like illness over the age of 15, but so what? You know, they get over it and they're fine. The 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 harsh reality of what the mainstream media and what the narrative is, is that they're saying that children are the nidus of infection and are infecting the, the um, adults that are at high risk. And of course, never before in our history have we ever vaccinated a population that is not at risk to protect an at-risk group. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if an adult is at risk, have the adult protect themselves. It's yes. not the kid's job, right? So, yeah. the, and then you have, then if you want to add more to this, I mean, this particular technology is unlike anything that we have ever seen in vaccines. You know, I can tell you, um, you know, we have vaccinated, not with COVID vaccine, because I will not carry that in my office, but we have used vaccines for many, many, many years. And I can tell you, I've other than, you know, local reaction, like a bump on the leg or something, we have not really had any severe adverse reaction. And I think the, the key is, is to have conversations with your families and partner with your families. But the COVID, if you look at COVID, there's been so many different things that have gone on that we have never seen before in medical history. The first thing is you don't contact your doctor if you're sick, right? That was the narrative at the very beginning. If you are sick, stay home, maybe phone your doctor. Okay. That's, that's, ridiculous if you're sick you go to your doctor the second thing is the the doctors were either locked up or afraid to treat sick patients and that's still going on two years later which is ridiculous right that's what we signed up for that's what we were called to do is take care of sick patients that's the second thing the third thing that we were that they were told to do is to go and get tested whether you're sick or not and not you're not going to your doctor to get tested. You're going to a drive-by, you know, swab in the nose parking lot on some street corner. This makes no sense. A test is ordered by a physician in order to guide the diagnosis and treatment. And here we have all these people just running to go and get this test that we know is one it's it's not it's not specific. So if it's not specific, that means that it's not a great test. So we have all these positives that probably aren't positives, And and then the sick people, which of course, as a physician, you are trained to take the signs and symptoms of the disease, make a decision and treat the patient. You don't need a test. You know, there are people that said, well, I did my COVID test and I'm negative, but I feel awful. Well, you probably have it. It's just that the test was faulty. Yeah. But, you know, here, let's, let's take care of you. Yeah. Um, and so, and now, now it's a requis- you know, a prerequisite, the test is a prerequisite for everything. You can't go on a trip. You can't get on an airplane. You can't get on a cruise. You can't get on whatever. It's ridiculous. You can't go back to school. This is dumb. I've never before. So we have a population where the risk benefit ratio, meaning the risk from the shot is much, much greater than the benefit of what the vaccine might actually do to a child. We have already lost, in this country, we have already lost two five-year-olds to 100 And it has only been open to five and up for, what, six, five weeks, I think, four or five weeks. Um, This is criminal. Those are two beautiful children that their potential is wasted and gone because of a fear-mongering narrative for a disease that they have survived for two years, two years, And probably we're immune to well anyway. And there's no good studies on safety and efficacy. We never give anything to pregnant women or children without safety and efficacy studies, which Fiverr has failed that in so many different ways. It's not even funny. And now they're targeting six months and above. This is ridiculous. Those babies do fine. There is no reason to do this. And so the only way that we can stop this is if we educate parents, not be fearful and do not allow your child to get vaccinated for COVID. It just doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Yeah. Um, could I could I say something quickly? Absolutely. Yeah. No, because I can't. I have an interview to do in about ten minutes, <laughs> but I wanted to say my one well, of my voice is going to. Um. Um. Is, how do you say, doc? Is it Doctor Farrell? Parella. Parella. What they just said was perfectly on on point, but but and here's the key. Um, I belong to the EBM world, evidence based medicine, which you probably know. I did my doctorate under Dr. Gordon Guyatt, who founded evidence based medicine with Dave Sackett at McMaster in Canada, and I still do some support for their research groups. And I am involved heavily in research methodology globally. The field, of, the field of evidence-based medicine is now dead. Medical research is now dead. And they killed it. They killed their own field. And um, I know many of these the top, the top research methodologists in the world. Because I went to school with them and I schooled under them. And they're at MAC. Seven of the ten top methodologists are there. And I'm good friends with them. But they failed, the Canadian and the world population, and they're going to be held accountable. It is, put it this way, every vaccine study that was put out, everyone would have never made it further than the submission to the FDA had the people at McMaster and the EBM world not been whoring to the grant money and to the grant agencies. And that's what this is all about. It is Dr. Forelli's medical profession that failed us. Not her. She should be given a medal. But it's her colleagues and her friends that have to be held accountable one day. Because what, if they, what they did, they have remained silent and in many cases went along. Why? Because of protecting their job, their career, their grant money, their research position, etc. That's what this is all about. It's because of that silence and the government and big pharma That's paying for it and buying it, buying it off. And it's doctors, scientists like me, Dr. Farrelly, those on this phone, who cut against the grain and we decided no. So I've lost my income, my professorship, blah, 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 like others on this phone. That's a chance we take because we think in life it will work out again in the future. But we have a serious battle on our hands. But 99.9% of doctors in this world, in America, in Canada, should hang their heads in shame. And there'll be a reckoning one day, because they have stood by in Canada and allowed the government to do this, to tie their hands with early treatment particularly, where we showed 90% of people who died would have been alive today. Of the 850,000 deaths in America, we modeled the data Selenko, myself, Rich, McCullough, we did the math and we showed 780,000 people out of the 830,000, 90% would be alive today had we used early treatment. So that blood is on somebody's hands and we're going to have to circle back. We're going to have to circle back. But it's because of the medical profession, the academic community, and it's all about research money. It's about money. This is about money in the end. That's it, money. Yeah. Because the NIH the NIH receives all of the funding to disperse amongst all of the research institutions and universities in America as an example. So any scientist or any doctor, whether you're in a mm-hmm. university setting or hospital setting, and you're doing research and you want a grant, you could never question Fauci or Francis Collins in the past, ever. You will not get your grant. Yeah. And that's what, it's that money that bought the silence. And that's the machine that Fauci set up. Fauci and Francis Collins, I know I worked in the U.S. government, they set up a machine that brought silence from countries, from academic institutions and countries, from research grant agencies. Because remember, the NIH don't just fund the United States direct. They fund other funding agencies. So even if you, Tommy, was going to get rejected from your grant in Canada or in the U.S. and you said, let me go to this other funding agency and not the NIH, that funding agency still won't fund you because they get funding still from the NIH. So that's why doctors, I would say by thousands from NIH and CDC have told me when I was there and even now, that Paul, you people, there's only about 15 of you. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop. because But we can't talk. We are silent. Because if I did, I would lose my my career. Some are threatened. Some fear for their own life. It's that serious. So you can. Or you've decided to fight. But we can't. But don't stop. We are silent because we have no choice. And they tell me straight. All I know how to do is to pipette chemicals in a university lab. I'm a doctor this, but I'm a bench scientist and I can do nothing else. I can't sell anything. I have no other skills. So I cannot lose my position in this chemistry department or this physics department or this biology department. So I have to be silent in this immunology department. All I know about is immunology. And that's what has happened. And that's why the public has not been informed. And that's why we've been done whatever has happened has happened because there's only a few of us like on this phone and that we can't do the lift alone. That is why now with these truckers, with the people who have the dirt underneath their fingernails, who are the important part of society, but the unheard of part, they have now come forward. That is why we need to support them because they are going to win this for us and they're going to put doctors And scientists to shame. They're gonna show people how this should have been done. They're gonna fight. And that's all I have to say.
0: Hell yeah. Well if I could just
2: uh for a for
0: sure.
1: (laughs) Doctor Latoop. Oh I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh well uh, sorry, somebody somebody was just saying somebody was just trying to That was Jim. Oh Jim. Jim, take it away.
9: I think he I think we lost connection. I think we, yeah. I think we, we, think well, we if, if Jim's not there, I do have something to say. All right, um, this is Doctor.
1: Uh, somebody's phone's
9: beeping. Oh,
1: never mind. Uh, Doctor yeah. Latulip.
9: Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think that those of us who. Uh, stood up early and exposed the corruption early, Um, we paid a a hell of a price. I mean, I've sold my clinic. I have lost my livelihood. Um, And I've got two battles going on in court right now. And um, I don't like it a bit. And there's not a day that goes by when I don't uh have thoughts of quitting and saying forget it i'm out of here i'm just going to go fishing but i just can't do it because there's so much at stake here and i agree with you i think that truckers can be extremely effective and i go beyond that because you know i i'm retired air force i flew
0: heavy aircraft i flew fighter aircraft
9: (laughs) and i retired uh, with the oregon air national guard as chief of medicine and i'm an ordained minister uh been bible college assembly trained and so i've got an eclectic background and when you put this whole big picture together um we it leads me to the conclusion that we are definitely at war there is a coup in progress and nobody seems to want to acknowledge that fact but there is a plan to literally destroy America, to to destroy the world. The the globalist agenda, the Great Reset, seems very real. I mean, it it doesn't appear to be conspiracy theory because um, when you connect all the dots, that's what it points to. And so I think that the truckers are just a grassroots level uh, entity that is so extremely powerful because it hits home with everybody. And so those... It it, it hurts those people who are innocent, who are just trying to live their lives, but it hurts the people also who are just sitting on the fence and doing nothing, you know, fat and sassy because they just want to play by the rules as they always have. But it also hurts those people who are are attacking us, and I think that because of that reason, it's going to be a great, tremendous wake-up call. And I'm all for that. And I think we need to do everything we can
0: to support these people any way we can. Hell yeah. So I, I thought that I'd uh, jump in now that I'm back <laughs> online again very quickly. Um, I, 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 first of all, I, I, I really um, I have so much respect uh, that I had completely lost uh, when this whole thing started. Uh, when I was first asked to wear a mask voluntarily... And I refused. Then I watched people around me slowly mask up. And then finally, uh, I was asked.
3: Give to, Thanks, I
0: was I was asked to mask because now it was a uh, policy of the company.
3: Yeah. And oh, sorry, I, refused. I Just walked in and I did And, I, was
0: and I, was, I, I ended up getting fired for my refusal. Uh, but mm-hmm. what was disturbing to me was the horror that I felt uh, that I was asked to lie to myself because I knew that the mask wasn't gonna protect me from any virus, period. I, I'm not a fool, and, uh, and, and I just I, I couldn't take that. So for, the, you, for, for those of you that are the doctors and the scientists and the researchers and the chemists um, who have taken your ethics and you live by those ethics, I commend you for not being guilty of omission. Because that's really what where we failed here. You know, the, I, I, I will tell you without question that for those of you that have lost your jobs, your income, and everything else, that is the height of, of honor. You wear the badge of the real honor. You wear the badge of 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 what a new science of what a new medical field, would you you are the pillars of that new uh, rise from the ashes. Because right now, the medical field, science field, is is completely trashed. But those I people who, who 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 have you know the understanding and the knowledge and and the, and the expertise in what's taking place, what you have shown is the backbone to stand up for truth as opposed to looking at your pocketbook, okay? And at the end of the day, this is a very sinister thing that they've done. There's no question that there's an agenda here. And they've used people's economic situation and circumstance, they used it as a weapon against them to force them into either lying to the public or lying to yourself. And what you've done, all of you, all of the doctors—I've I've met so many of the doctors—and I can say one thing for certain: that the ethics is impeccable, the honesty is beyond reproach. And this is what this is what is going to be important in the future, because once once the ashes happen to this whole narrative, the truth will rise, and you will be the leaders. Of a new medical and a new science and a new way of approaching health that will be second to none. And as much as it's a dark time right now, I think that it's going to be so bright when we get past this darkness that it's unbelievable. And I just want to address the children. You know, they're talking about the protesters. I cannot tell you how many strollers were in this uh, 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 protest. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of strollers hundreds and hundreds of children just in my vicinity and you know i never really knew what kind of a family affair trucking was until i got up to the cabs and 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 stood up because i wanted to talk to the drivers i look in and it's not just a the driver there's a wife there's children you know And it hit me. Like a ton of bricks. Like, oh my God. It's like, these these are real family businesses that are being destroyed and devastated by this agenda that is to rip apart community, family, and the world. Distancing, they don't want us to be communal anymore. That's what that means. Distancing is about separation. It's about creating a mental health crisis in this world. So when I look out into the crowds here in Ottawa, and I see the look of freedom, everybody smiling for the first time, the joy. I cannot tell you how many of my colleagues have wept over the phone talking to me about how free they feel. All of a sudden, their vaxxed parents are baking cookies and coming out, and that fractured family is no longer fractured. They're coming together. And as whoever was talking earlier, there is a coming together and there will be a reckoning. And that reckoning will be that the truth will prevail and the evil that has created this is going to fall hard, fall on its knees, never ever to take over our society again. That's what I believe and I see it because of the principled people that took a stand and went to hell with my income I cannot tolerate being a liar, a cheat, and a thief. So I commend and I salute all of you. I salute all of the moms. I salute all the truck drivers for having the tenacity to they've done, which is unbelievably going worldwide. And that's what's happened here. The truckers have galvanized the world to seek freedom. And I am so happy to be amongst your company, to be a part of bringing our world to a place where it needs to be, should be, strong and free with our God-given rights. No government and no person can ever strip that away from us again. I'm so proud to be amongst all of you. That's all I wanted to say. Amen.
6: And you know, here here we have some we have some some really strong, you know, mama bears and papa bears out there that are really fighting for their kids. And I know in our community, really, what's happening is there's a resurgence of knowledge and a resurgence of um, restoring the patient physician relationship when it comes to at least my practice, because a lot of these families have been kicked out of other practices because they were refusing the COVID vaccine for their children, and, and which is ridiculous. It's unethical, it's, it's against the oath, everything. And so what we're finding in our practice is, of course, we're busier than we've ever been. Um, we, we are trying to service as many people as possible. We are trying to educate. I mean, my primary thing that I do most of the day is, is really just educate and try to reassure these families there's nothing wrong with them and that there is no harm in waiting. You know, we need more science. We need more to come out. We've monetized medicine. And when you monetize something like that, it, it becomes dangerous. It becomes all about the almighty dollars. Absolutely. But our kids, we're seeing this around the country. We're, seeing, we're even seeing it in our localities where we're seeing parents go into school boards where school boards used to run them, you know, do whatever they wanted to do. Parents weren't watching them for the most part. And now we see crowds, standing room only in every school board meeting now because parents now see the bell has been lifted, the scales have come off their eyes, they realize that there's always been an underground underground agenda that they never saw before. But now that their kids had to be online, they started to listen what the teachers were saying. They started to listen about what's going on and what their children are being taught. And that's when they started standing up and saying, absolutely not, you're not teaching my kid this. And and so we're seeing this across, like wave across. And when I don't, um, I, I really feel like I've, I've told a bunch of my, what we call our Freedom Doctor Alliance. I've told those guys, look, you know, we're going to rise from the ashes. We're going to be the phoenix that rises because we know that we have never abandoned our patients. We know that we have always done a patient-physician relationship to the best of our ability and tried as hard as we could Not to let anything in between that. And what we're seeing now is doctors banding together all across the country and starting, you know, we're talking about starting micro hospitals to save people from hospitals. We have doctors that are breaking people out of the hospital. We call them jailbreaks. Um, we're getting these people home. We're caring for them at home and we're, we're proving that we can do this. We can do this at home. We never ever, and I'm not just speaking
9: for myself.
6: I'm sure there's other doctors that are like, we've never thought we'd ever say that we don't trust a hospital, ever. I can't send my patient to the emergency room because I can't trust them. And that's ridiculous. That's a really sad state of affairs. So what are we doing? We're taking the bull by the horn and we're going to start our own. We're going to start our own emergency rooms and observation units and surgeon centers. and And we are going to restore the faith
0: and we're going to actually improve medicine for the better. I truly believe that. I ask you are to... so right oh my god you know what that's happening here in canada as well unbelievable we have all kinds of clinics that are being formed by doctors and nurses uh, uh like all over everywhere where they're literally forming right now i am so happy to hear that it means that we are going to a better place i apologize for interjecting by the way no not at all so
1: excuse me i'm chewing food um so that's actually what I brought up yesterday on a podcast is how how would that be possible? Is it possible? But how difficult would that be to actually set up sort of a parallel uh, medical community, including hospitals, for people that are just fed up with everything that's going on? I don't know if you could touch on that, Dr. Farella. Yeah,
5: we're
6: doing that now. I mean, I'm in Southeast Houston. And what we did is we found like minded doctors, right? So that, that are tired of the narrative or, you know, felt ridiculous that they had to find an exemption to say no to something that they really feel is is not appropriate in their, you know, in their body. And so we found a little band of misfits, I guess you can call us, and um, we are now seeking, like today, I was driving around looking for property, new property, where we can start a new freedom clinic. And, and I think what we have to do is really re-educate, and I think a lot of our patient populations are starting to understand that. And, you know, we have, I mean, I kind of got sick and tired of the narrative, and I also felt a very strong need to bring doctors like me in to um, for fellowship and camaraderie and support and encouragement. And we did that just recently in January, and we're doing it again in, in April here in, in Texas. And we're bringing freedom doctors in, people that want to join the fight, people that, you know, think like we think, that have suffered some of the things that are what I consider just a horror show. I mean, what happened to Steve is, is just a nightmare. And and there's doctors all around the country that, that this has happened to as well. And so what we're doing is we're bringing them in, we're lifting them up, we're giving them encouragement, we're giving them other options, other options that you can still make a living and still be a great person and use your knowledge base. And this is what we're doing. So we're we're starting entrepreneurship within the medical community with, you know, for, for me and in our area, we're looking for space for a surgery center, a birthing center, because we have a like-minded OBGYN. We have a like-minded surgeon. We have um, a, a nephrologist. So we're going to even do some dialysis. We have infusionists. So we're going to do an infusion center. I mean, all these things, we have a physical therapist, we have a counselor, um, we have behavior modification therapists. I mean, we have them. They're coming in, x-ray technicians. I mean, you name it, they're, they have banded with us and we are going to just start on a small scale and build up. We can do this. We don't need um, a whole lot of capital. I mean, it would be nice, but... Honestly, we have to even build these from the grassroots up. You know, local leadership is where it's at. We cannot rely on large corporations anymore. We can't we have to break that mold. We have to go back to back to independent physicians because that is what's happened. Over the last 10 to 15 years, you have seen independent physician practices been gobbled up by big companies. And when that happens, they get they get pushed into a mold and they're told. I don't care if you're a square peg, you need to fit in this circle, whether you like it or not, or else your livelihood is stripped. And so now what's happening is there's a shift back to independence, which is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I think there's a lot of docs now that are realizing, yeah, I made a better salary, but what did I sacrifice? I remained independent through all of this nonsense. I had two companies trying to buy me out over the years, and I, and I said no, because I knew that maybe they were going to offer me a little carrot, but at the end of the day, they were going to bury me and I was not going to be who I, who I was called to be. And I was not going to be able to practice medicine and do the best for my patients the way I wanted to. So I remained independent. Am I a multimillionaire? Absolutely stinking not. I'm a pediatrician. I'm the dirt that holds up the, the totem pole of medicine, you know, as far as K is concerned. So, you know, but, and that's not why I got into medicine. I got into medicine to take care of people and to be an advocate for children. That's what drove me my entire life. I spent over half of my life in this career that is my calling to protect the kids. And here it is, such a time as this. This is exactly when I stepped up to the plate. I started very early on. I stood up, wouldn't close my office, took the mask. I I was threatened with fines. If I didn't wear a mask in my own office, um, after I caught COVID from a delivery guy about two weeks into wearing the stupid mask, I said, "No more masks. We're done. We're done." And we've been maskless for over a year and a half at this point. So we we have we're setting a standard that's different. And I still know that there are what I would call freedom doctors stuck in a system that right now they're kind of stuck there until we build these micro hospitals and these you know, little clinics, these freedom clinics. These are happening. They're happening now, all across the country. And we just have to have people find us just as much as we need to find them. Because we'll grow when we attract the people that are just like us. And and it's it's a lot bigger than we think. We still have people hiding in corners, sucking their thumbs and crying over their oppression because they're too scared to give it up. And and now you're seeing I've seen so many doctors step up to the plate just in the last three to four months and and it's, a, it's like this revival, which is fantastic. We need this. We need to go back to independent, throw your signal on the wall and treat every person that walks in the door as a human being. That's what we need to return to. And then, Angie, uh,
9: this is Steve with Philip. If yes. I can piggyback on that, uh, I think, you know, what we recently experienced at at the freedom doctors uh, alliance uh, are gathering there the conference in Texas was just absolutely incredible and i think it was an initial spark that could uh, just grow tremendously uh, because uh, we are speaking the truth and in essence we are the mainstay of what good medicine always has been which is evidence-based medicine and when um, other doctors, and even mid-level providers, uh, but mostly physicians, uh, when they have a platform to stand on and a support base, I think that it, if we can advertise this, get the word out, despite all of the censorship, I think that it's just going to be a tremendous flourishing we will mushroom and spread like wildfire, and that's what we need to do.
6: Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> I feel like we're on this. Just- we
1: Excuse me.
3: I was saying, okay, like the Zello up over, you know, because uh, in there everybody waits a while to not cut somebody off and then like, we end up cutting off people every time. Yes, uh, so I think uh, General E, are you still here? Navy mom, Dr. Ferla, you didn't get a chance to talk to them. But Dr. LaTulip um, is on, Dr. I don't know if uh, Dr. Paul Alexander got out yet, but, you know, we want to wrap this up with a nice little note about you know how this episode went down and uh, what you guys you know, have to say. So Tommy, you can give us like a little run through, um, and just we'll thank everyone. Um, you know, and uh, we'll we'll wrap it up because if we don't, uh, poor Tommy is going to be editing all night, and we really want to get this out to the public today. So I know AJ's on there, great, amazing guy. And now uh, you know Navy Mom Dixie, you all are rocking this, and I believe so much in this movement. And would you guys have fun. So go ahead and thank you, Carolina. Um, <laughs>
1: yes, wrap it up, Tommy, and then. Um, Appreciate you. To,
7: to editing. I will. Uh, I will close. Navy this out. mom, get
1: right Thank you, Navy mom. Thank you, Jenny, Dixie, AJ, Doctor Latulip, Doctor Alexander, who I don't think is here anymore. Doctor Doctor Ferella. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. Thanks for Guys, us. thank you so much for coming on here. I will. I will get to editing, and we should hopefully have this up within i don't know by midnight it's 10 p.m now by midnight i should have this up thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for what all of you are doing my podcast is your podcast it's your platform thank you so much so, you. i would
5: really like to say if at some point tommy if at some point you get the inclination you're more than welcome to come on your channel come on Talk to the truck, talk to other truckers, talk to the kids. Because at the end of the day, the whole reason any of us are doing this is to protect the children of today and future generations. And I think maybe a one on one with the kids could really be eye opening.
1: I would love to. Absolutely. I think that would be wonderful. Hell
5: yeah. That's right. USA got bigger doing a serious thing
8: amen sure, let's go sure. brandon general he's out of here So everyone to <laughs> call on me again for some fiery information i'm I'm willing i'm willing and able and I'll give it thank
0: y'all well, thank to y'all drink. for having us on here to thank talk
1: you. thank you for coming on and uh god bless you. everyone yeah god bless god bless god bless, Canada, god bless america god bless the world we will win this evil never wins god
0: bless the world
1: hell yeah Let's do this and thing.
0: Nothing, nothing will stop you. Just We and hold the line, y'all. They're not moving anywhere. We're staying until our freedoms are back, and then we're going to put our sights on the U.S.
1: Hell yeah.
5: Amen. Well, USA.migrigs USA. will be there for that, too. I can promise you that. Hell yeah.
1: Well, everybody.
7: Thank y'all for having me on there.
1: Thank you. God bless everybody. I don't even know if y'all can... Stay safe. Much love. And, hey, conference tomorrow at 1 p.m. for everybody listening. But by the time you hear this podcast, it will probably already be 1 p.m.
9: So, Godspeed. I got to get out of here. Much love, y'all.